What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of X Knows All. I'm so happy you're here. We have a jam-packed episode for you today. It's going to be a bit of a two-part series. Right now, I have my former co-host slash best friend, Emily at EJCoba on Instagram. Go ahead and shoot her a follow. Her Instagram will be in the show notes. We have a two-part series here. Right now, I'm going to kind of just shoot the shit with Emily. She's in town visiting from the East Coast, and we're going to just talk your ear off about all things, well, what was our life? Who was Christy before she moved back to Southern California and became a professional podcaster by night? Who was she? Like, And also, what did we do this weekend? I did talk a lot about us being in Los Angeles, us being in Orange County, going out, doing fun things. So we're going to cover that as well. And then the second part of the episode is going to be including Sophie Ross, who is the OG truther. She literally calls out every single goddamn influencer to man. She's so knowledgeable, so smart, so eloquently spoken. I do want to point out really quickly that the audio on my end when I did the interview was not amazing. Her audio is totally fine, so I really hope you guys don't mind. I actually got a new microphone recently and the audio quality was fucked up. And that's just what you get when you are a full-time podcaster and your own executive producer okay but I really appreciate you guys sticking through the interview even though the audio quality isn't amazing on my end because we talk about so many nuggets about tanks about Ariel Charnas about influencer culture in general so I definitely want you guys to stay put uh for that piece of the interview so without further ado let me introduce Emily she was my former co-host of my old show which is a podcast based on dating and relationships in San Francisco. It's truly a time capsule that was brought back in 2019 where we documented our insane dating stories. We brought on guys that we used to date that we used to hook up with. So welcome to the show, Emily. How are you? I'm good. It is so nice to be back in the podcasting chair. It's funny. It's like I come back to California and of course I'm just back with you podcasting. Like nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And I posted to the Instagram a picture of us and in our old quote unquote studio that was in my Harry Potter closet in Cow Hollow neighborhood. We had like, you guys have to go check out my Instagram at xnozol. You guys already know. You guys got to make me famous. Shoot me a follow. Um, but the reason I bring this up and the reason I think Emily is a very good person to bring on the show today is that genuinely most of the things that I post to my stories are from Emily and I just want to like say that all like the stories that you see me like all like the fan theories about White Lotus typically come straight from her mouth so I think she would be a great addition to the uh to the podcast seeing as the White Lotus season finale is airing tonight we're so excited um but I want to ask you Emily can you talk about, because I feel like a lot of people, they do care about the personal stuff up on this podcast and like who I am and what I do for fun. So can you just kind of quickly touch on like, how did we meet and how did we become close? Like, what was your first impression of me? What was like the first things that we started to do when we started to become friends? Like walk, walk the audience through. Well, first, let me just say I am flattered for that little intro. Thank you very much. Um, I'm happy to be the content provider. I'm happy to send you the memes and the articles and the whatnot that I do. So thank you. Um... So I moved to San Francisco back in 2016. I was working at the same public accounting firm as Christy. She was actually my boss. So obviously my first impression of her was I was a little intimidated. Um, (laughs) She's very outspoken, as you can tell. I'm definitely a little bit more of an introvert, but I need like an extroverted personality to really bring out my true colors. Um, But before we really became friends, obviously we were just kind of a professional just had a professional uh, relationship at work. But I think what really made us bond is just 
and I feel like this happens a lot with other people. Like as soon as I hear someone talk about pop culture or talk about reality TV, I will automatically chime in. And I think it, it just became very obvious that like, wait, we have very similar interests. Like we both obsessed with celebrities. We know way too much about way too, uh, we know way too much about way too much really. 100%. Um, so I think that was probably what bond us. And then to top it off that really the cherry on top was that we were both single and we were both in the trenches of app dating <laughs> in San Francisco. So, I mean, with pop culture and the dating, I mean, it was really just a match made in heaven for a friendship to bloom. So we started this podcast, which is quite the time capsule. And the podcast was only in 2019, so not that long ago, but also a lifetime ago at the same time. Um, And looking back, like... Me and her, it's kind of one of those things that, like, we're embarrassed by now. but So embarrassing. But we also appreciate that it just perfectly captured who we were at the time. So I guess we're... Th- and this was your... It was your practice for X, so... It was. Yeah. It was like a it was like a training wheel type podcast. And, like, the thing is, we had so much fun with it, too. It wasn't, like, scripted. We didn't outline anything ahead of time. We literally just, like, every every Saturday we would go to Soul Cycle. We would take our favorite, like, Sandra's class, and we'd go and get brunch. And then we'd go to my apartment, and we'd go and podcast about what was going on in the dating life. And it was interesting because, like, we – I remember you were dating this guy at this time, and it was, like, he was really courting you. And it was, like, it would probably – I wonder what it would be like to, like, listen back you know? Oh God. Oh God. And it's so funny because right after we stopped the podcast, like the relationship fell apart in a very dramatic fashion. And I was always like, I always wondered, like, did he only date me to, to be discussed on the pod? Oh my God. Because as soon as the pod ended, like things just went downhill. So that was always like, Hmm. Um, and I think like Christy said, it was such like an informal, just fun, like no frills podcast. But I think we started to get stressed out when we started realizing like wait people actually really like this and are like expecting us to keep churning out these episodes that used to feel very organic but then started feeling kind of like forced and like it just really the stress was just not what we signed up for so that uh dissolved and here we are now yeah and years later yeah i remember like when the podcast first started there was you guys know like the overheard la overheard san francisco there was this very niche instagram that still runs today called at overheard marina which is like this like very usc type person lives in the marina so like the marina the overheard marina account had reposted our episode one day and it I basically kind of blew up from there. And this is when podcasting was still kind of like not new, but still like fairly new. And so a lot of people started like recognizing us. And I remember I talked in a couple episodes ago, I was staying with my friend Aaron in Denver, but we started getting noticed by people. Like Emily was walking on the street and Aaron was like, had, was, had, was a fan at the time. She was a fan at the time. Of the, she was a listener. And she noticed, did, when, didn't she like, what, what, how did that go She down? was like, Emily, I forget like exactly what she said, but it was basically like, wait, Emily from Shade and Fog? And I was like, hair flip. I was like, oh yeah, it's that's me. So funny. But it was like such a small scale of celebrity, but it was still too much for us at the time. Yeah. And I remember like being on dating apps at the time and like people would like pick, oh, like one person was like, oh, aren't you that girl from that podcast? And like people like executives at work started asking me questions and like executives at Emily's work started asking her questions it became way too and it's like on this podcast I talk about celebrity pop culture and I'll like adjacently talk about my life but like this was very centered first, around us centered around us yeah and it was it just became kind of embarrassing to be honest um and like I was always I did, never wanted to talk about it in front of my parents I don't know it just felt a little too personal and there was definitely like a fine line between like just fun little dating stories and like 
oh, do I start talking about like deeper stuff? Like, I don't know. It just got a little embarrassing because I knew people were listening. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. And it's like, we almost couldn't, we didn't feel open to talking about real things because it's like, well, now we have a major audience that listens to it. Like a major audience to like, at the time that we thought was really big. Um, We were getting like, what? Just a couple hundred downloads every week. Like, I can't remember. Yeah. What do you get now? Oh God. I mean, I won't divulge my listenership, but I'll tell you most offline. It's kind of embarrassing, but like, because again, my listenership is far higher than my Instagram, and that's why I'm saying you guys need to follow me on Instagram. But if you guys want to see the, the studio setup of what we had, follow me at Xnozal on Instagram, and you will see like our full-on Harry Potter closet with like all the sound soundboards and everything like that. But we touch on Emily. I want to talk about this because we went out in both LA and in Orange County this weekend. And being from Boston, I have a lot of Boston listeners. So I'd be curious now that you're you know you're a single girl, you live on the East Coast, like what what is dating like in Boston and what's the scene like in Boston? Can you just like set that up for me and then we'll juxtapose that with LA and OC in a bit. It's so funny because I feel like my time in Boston and dating in Boston has really been a case of like be careful what you wish for. So I'm originally from Boston. I went to school in the New England area, moved to San Francisco when I was like 23. I was there for four and a half years, came back when I was like 27, 28. Um, And when I came back, it was during like fall of 2020. So it was basically like a COVID, it was a COVID driven decision, but it also kind of just felt like, okay, it's probably time to go home. Um, and I remember being excited when I was moving back to Boston in terms of dating because I was like, okay, I'm finally going to a place where I feel like the dating will be more intentional because San Francisco is such like a transplant temporary city. And so you find with dating that it's hard to really find someone who's looking for something serious and long term. And mm-hmm. that's what I was ready for. So when I moved to Boston, I was like, oh, these are great guys here are a little bit more grounded here. Like they're a little mm. bit more focused on like settling down, finding someone long term, like not sleeping around and just kind of fucking around. So I was excited for that. But boys, I mean, not to say boys will be boys, but it's the same shit, different city. It really is. Hmm. Like you might not have the same issues of like, oh, this guy is only going to be here for like a temporary amount of time. Like even the guys that I've met who are like very settled in the New England, even like New England, New York area, different issues will always come up. So like you can't. The grass, the grass isn't always greener. Um, so I think going, but I think going out, if you want to think about going out in Boston versus mm-hmm. San Francisco, the people in San Francisco, it's more, I would say the people in SF are more interesting for the reasons I just touched upon. Like everyone mm. is here for a different reason. Everyone has a great job. Every You meet people from all over the country. Like one of my best friends from San Francisco is actually from Mississippi. And that would just never happen if I had just stayed in Boston. But I think going out in Boston, you kind of expect, you know what you're going to see. And there's not really a lot of excitement with going out. So that can kind of, it's discouraging. It can be a little discouraging. Yeah. And I think like, if especially if we're like, it's it's such a good point that you bring up. It's like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And I think living in SF and being discouraged with dating and like, for Christ's sake, we had a dating podcast. Like we saw so many things like we would bring on guys that we hooked up with or went on dates with and everything like that. And it just felt like so transactional because of it being such transplant type of city. But yeah, like even in Southern California, I can't say it's any more difficult or any less more more easy. It's just it's different. Um, but similar problems still arise. Um, so I think if we t- think about our listeners were like following along on the journey on Instagram when we were in LA this week, this weekend. We were at, we went to Laurel Hardware. So Emily made us a reservation and the second we walk in, I'm like, I was joking. I'm like, I really hope to God I see a celebrity. So we're walking through and the first thing Emily looks at me and she goes, 
everyone here is so attractive. So like if you juxtapose the look of LA and Boston, what did you notice? So I, and also not just at Boston. So I have pretty good friends that live. I have three really good friends that live in New York. So I've been going there quite often. Um, and I'm used to what to expect going on in New York. And obviously New York is a much more exciting city than Boston. So that's kind of what I expected for going out in LA. Cause I really haven't been out here in years. So I was like, oh, it'll just be like going out of New York, like keep your eyes peeled for celebrities, but similar, similar vibes to to New York, I would assume. And immediately when we walk into dinner at Laurel Hardware, A, the lights are so dimmed, I would assume to prevent you from like seeing famous people. But I was, it was so dark. So right off the bat, you're like, wait, this is a completely different vibe. Like the lighting is so dark and like just very like sexy and moody, but also like it keeps you on your toes a little bit because you're like, wait, why are the lights this dark? Like who is in here? Like who should I be looking for? But then on the other hand, you don't want to, like, have your eyes peeled and look around because then you feel, like, a loser. Like, you yeah. want to just enjoy your time there. Um, but, yes, when I – when my eyes adjusted and I was able to see some people, it was very obvious that everyone was extremely attractive. Um, and I think more so than New York, where New York, you look around and you're like, everyone's cool. Like, mm-hmm. maybe not con- the most conventionally attractive people, but you know everyone is cool. I feel like here at Laurel Hardware in the bars that we went to, I would look around and be like, everyone is gorgeous. They might not be like the coolest or the smartest people if I had a conversation with them, but everyone is gorgeous. And yeah. I think that is obviously a little in- intimidating. Yeah. And we, so we ended up going to, so right when we walked into to Laurel Hardware, it's really dark. Like Emily said, we ordered a drink at the bar. We're just waiting for our, our two other friends to get to, to the restaurant. And I look over to my right and immediately, like there's like an indoor seating and there's an outdoor seating. And I look to my right and I'm like, Emily, oh my God, oh my God, it's not, it's Niall Horan. Like literally Niall Horan is outside. Like he's facing the indoor bar and he's smoking this vape and he's with like this like whole table, like probably 10 like men. And he looked so hot in real life. <laughs> like I was like, I'm never like a Niall Horan stand. Like it's just kind of random, but like he was very attractive in real life. We were shocked. Like we were like, oh my God, this guy's so hot. Um, and we were too, like, nervous to say anything because... At the and you same, don't want to be that guy. You don't, yeah. You don't want to be that person because, like, this is Hollywood, baby. Like, you don't want to be that person who's, like, a fan. So I just tried to keep it cool. We didn't say anything to him. But he looked like he was having a grand old time. And it's weird because everyone he was around was just a normie. It was a normal. It looked like a bunch of just, like, British, Irish guys. Like, they were just yeah. out for a dinner. Um, and I will give props to Christy because as much as a celebrity-obsessed person... I really, like, I was in New York during Fashion Week a couple months ago, and I was like, this is it. I'm going to see someone. I saw no one. So it's become, like, a trend that I think I'm going to go out to these cities and see people, and I don't. So I've just come to the conclusion that, like, my brain processing is too slow to, like, recognize anyone. <laughs> Christy sniped this immediately. I don't know. I have a, a gift. She's a gift. She really does. It's a gift. Ever, ever since I was little, too, it, like, I can just, I don't know. My eyes, my eyeballs are always, like, on, and I think I'm, I'm also looking looking for things as well so after laurel hardware we go with our friend liz and she had her friend jill from new york city who was in town so it was the four of us we met up with our friend joel who we used to work with in public accounting we go to delilah's and it's the cool like first of all it's like a typical what i would envision an la bar scene it's like emily said it's very dark there's actually like burlesque dancers on top of the tables. there's a sign when you walk in no pictures please yep no pictures and the burlesque dancers have like the feathers and it was it's very sexy it's very old hollywood and like the booths have like like have this like metal accent on them so everything's like really shiny there's like a lot of metal in there again it is so dark you cannot see a thing yeah um 
And I would, I just remember walking in and I was like, this feels like a scene in like Mad Men. Like, that is Mad Men. And yeah. And mm-hmm. like, it, and also like, yeah, no phones because they don't want you taking pictures. But I feel like it forces you to be more in the moment. And I feel like it forces you to like have better conversations and mm. you just like enjoy yourself a little more. Um, but yeah, looking around it, I was just like, okay, I don't even have time or like the eyesight right now to look around and see like who's here. But I, I swear that bar, like everyone you have ever thought of has been there. Like Drake goes there. Like mm-hmm. every, Harry Styles goes there. Like everyone, Kendall Jenner. Um, during the whole like Kanye and like Julia Fox thing, they were there. Like everyone goes yeah. there. So it's like you're on your toes, but you also just want to act cool and just not really like be staring at anyone 100 percent. because i feel like had we seen drake at like the booth next to us there's no way we would have said hi like, i wouldn't even know what to do no like yeah. it, it's one of those places where like you just don't do it it's an unspoken word but like i think what's really important to, to point out is like i don't even know like the reason we were even able like we're not important people we don't know people in the business but the people that we were with like do are f- in the business are in the business yeah. like they do know people so they were able to get us in like no issues but like if i was just a normie like trying to book a table at delilah's like i have no idea yeah i don't even i didn't even think about that if we yeah. would be able to have done that i don't yeah i have no idea like one of our friends he's like part of like this restaurant group he has to pay a fee like an annual fee in order to get to like delilah's bootsy bellows places like that and then our other friend she has like a very she's in the biz so she's, she's like just part of it yeah, yeah she's part of it and she works directly with like the owners at delilah's and everything so it was just like you felt we felt kind of vip right and you feel cool and I think that's another thing about LA that I do appreciate it's like you might not see a celebrity but there's an unspoken thing there's an unspoken just like feeling that okay people the people are around me are probably involved with something I love in some way yeah and like I might not be looking at a celebrity but I'm probably um, uh, surrounded by people who have very who are just create the things that I love Mm -hmm. so there's like I had a respect for just, like, the, the room I was in, and I was just so... Mm-hmm. I was grateful to be there, honestly. Yeah, it felt... It was, like, truly a humbling experience. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so the craziest part that happened when we were at Delilah's was we were all in this booth, and there was, at this point, there, I think there was, like, seven or eight of us at this at this bar or this booth, and all of a sudden, we just hear, like, glasses shattering. Shatter, 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 shatter. And then, like, people screaming. All of a sudden, the lights go on, the music cuts, and we look over, and I was, at this point, I was scared. I was like, is someone going to whip out a weapon and start shooting? Like, I had, you had no it idea. It sounded like, what, what, it sounded, this, it sounded like the sounds that would happen before a gunshot is fired. It yeah. was a ton of glass breaking and just yelling. Yelling. And we were, and like, the thing is, we didn't even get ID'd. They weren't even no, looking at our IDs. No. Like, so we're like, okay, they're not, they would, didn't, no one looked at our purse. No one looked at our ID. So if someone brought a weapon in here, they sure, sure as hell would have been able to sneak one in. Yeah. And it's so dark. So we were freaking the fuck out. And what? I will say that I think someone at the table mentioned that, like, there have been fights there amongst like rappers. Like Chris Brown has gotten in a fight there. What? Like there have been like rapper fights there before. So I was like, oh god, like who's here? Like what's yeah. the what's the beef? Yeah, yeah. And like we found out later, like on the Citizen app, or like through one of our friends, that it was like football players. Well, yeah. The I guess what had happened was someone broke a bottle on someone else's head, so that was part of the glass. And then someone flipped an entire table that was obviously covered in glass and bottles and whatnot. So it was just a lot of shattering. It was a lot of yelling. There was I saw someone was holding a napkin with a lot of blood. It was a very oh, yeah. dramatic. It was a very dramatic scenario. And then so they clearly got escorted out. So the booth that we were in was actually next to the DJ. Mm-hmm. And then the people we were with were just quickly like talking to the DJ and the DJ was like I have worked here for like X number of years and I have never seen anything like that. Really? Yeah. 
Oh my god, that's so No, he juicy. he said something like I've never had a fight here where we had to turn on the lights, like something like that. Yeah, yeah no, it was like it, it was like a fully like it, cuz it's so dark in there, right? Like like we said, even if Kendall Jenner were on the booth next to us, one I probably wouldn't have fucking seen yeah. her cuz it's so dark, but two like it was such a ruckus. It was such a scene that like the fact that they had to even turn off the lights and cut the music was like kind of scary. Yeah. Um so then when I left, like there was like fire trucks and everything all outside, but anyways, if you guys do get a chance to come to LA or if you're based out of LA, let us know how to even get a reservation if you're a normie like us and you're not you don't have friends who are well connected yeah i am curious like the people that have gone out in la to like the nice guy delilah's whatnot like do you need to know someone or are those attainable like are those reservations attainable yeah i'm curious genuinely curious um let's quickly move on to close out this segment with white lotus so emily and i have crazy theories about White, white lotus and i did touch on like the the most like the most common theories about um quentin and greg having a potential love affair uh tanya being conned by the high class high-end gays portia potentially being the one that dies um what else what are your some of your like theories that you haven't heard circulated as much through the internet i did talk about the orgy last episode okay okay i do think something is brewing with so I feel like one of the funny things about White Lotus is well, this is about to be what episode seven mm-hmm. and like none of us fully know everyone's names like we're, we still have to like question ourselves when we talk about these people because it's still like Aubrey Plaza like mm-hmm. I call her name's Harper I guess but yeah. I call her Aubrey Plaza um, so I think I think what is happening so I'll talk about something that I think we're heading I think we're heading towards potentially Portia and Tanya being the ones killed do I want that to happen absolutely not I think I'm rooting for them more than anyone at this point. I want it. It kind of the last episode kind of alluded to Portia waking, having like more becoming more conscious of what's happening yeah. and wanting to potentially save Tanya because Tanya knows that she's in trouble and Portia now knows that Tanya's in trouble. Um, so I really want that to happen. I want them to leave unscathed, but we'll see. Um, I think something is obviously brewing with Aubrey Plaza's husband. He becomes very unsettled by you this. Call, you call that, like, episode three. Yeah, he is becoming very unsettled. He obviously is convinced that she had sex with Theo James. That he thinks something is going on. They're, clear, they're clearly an unhappy couple. They have their own issues. And I do... So something I read early on that has really resonated with me is the difference between... Um, Theo James and his wife and Aubrey Plaza and her Mm. husband. Aubrey Plaza initially thought that they had the better marriage because they weren't obnoxious. They were more normal people. But I think she's slowly realizing that they don't have the better marriage. And the Theo James and his wife might be horrible people and might be assholes and just like annoying rich people, but at least they're honest with each other. Mm. Aubrey Plaza and her husband are lacking that honesty. And I think they're seeing, they're watching their relationship crumble because of it. And I think what people were saying about Aubrey Plaza is that she knows what she's doing by like locking that latch because she's basically playing the the exact game that Daphne had told her to play. And let's not forget, she's an attorney. Oh, that that's her profession so she knows exactly what she's doing yeah i think it's a lot more contrived th- on her end towards ethan than we would like to give her credit for like she knows exactly what she's doing based on daphne's guidance the episode before saying you should get a trainer 
Yeah, and just watch out for yourself and just you got to make yourself happy before anyone else. Yeah, and I think that she knows that Aubrey Plaza's character is new to this world. Like, they just, her and Ethan just found wealth. They just came into a ton of money. And she's like, in order to make it in this world, you sink or swim. And in order to swim, this is what you need to do. And I think Aubrey Plaza's character is really starting to develop, like, this, like, thick skin. Mm-hmm. And it's when this, by the time this episode drops, we'll have watched it. So I guess we might be eating our words. But I'm so excited. Like, I'll have to, like, have you on for, like, a White Lotus I would love that. Conspiracy, just complete episode. And, like, they're already going to do season three in Japan. Which is rumored to be in Tokyo, yeah. Yeah, which is going to be so amazing. Um, I am curious because Tanya's character has been a recurring character these last two seasons. So I'm curious if that's actually a theme of the show is Tanya's time staying at these places. Or maybe we're going to have a new recurring character for next season. We'll see. Yeah, because people are saying, like, well, if they do kill off Tanya, then she's the only recurring character. So we don't – people are saying, like, they couldn't kill her off because she is the only person who is – completely consistent but like who's to say there's no rules on this thing mm-hmm. um needless to say like emily i think this is like c- cinematic television it's so good there and i love um i love just old school television it's it's event television like everyone event it's event yeah yes. you can't sit down and binge it you have to wait the full week for the next episode and that allows you to like have your theories talk with your friends about your theories look yeah. on reddit it's such event television and i love it it's and old school it's old school it's, yeah it's like there's no streaming to that i mean i guess there is a streaming element but it's like you have to wait and i love that it i hate it but i love the anticipation because you're right it just feels like when we used to watch tv back in like 2006 mm-hmm. i love it thank you so much for coming on can you plug anything like plug plug stuff I don't know. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Oh, follow me on Instagram at EJKoba. And honestly, follow me on Twitter because that's where the real, <laughs> that's where the real Emily is. So at Emily Janice, J-A-N-I-S. So yeah, I'm, I'm not shilling any podcasts. I'm just a... Shilling yourself. Yeah, I'm shilling myself. So yeah, if you, um, thank you for having me on. Of course. It's an and, honor. And we'll put all this, like the notes and Twitter. Her, she's very fucking funny and very smart. So you guys have to follow her on, on Twitter at least. Um, but yeah, I'll put everything in the show notes, the episode description and all that. Um, and please stay tuned for the next segment with Sophie Ross. I am so excited to have her. You guys, she's fucking incredible. And again, I apologize for the audio in advance, but I promise you, you will not be let down. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, we're back with the host of the podcast, So True, with Sophie Ross. Sophie manages the Unreal Deep Divey Weekly Substack, sub which is full of tea. I subscribe to it, so I can confirm the tea is real. Sophie is most known for dismantling influencer culture. She is the whistleblower for some of the biggest scandals that I know you've heard of, calling out tanks, getting blocked on Twitter by Kendall Jenner, pissing off Nick Vile, which we love to see it. She's produced branded content at Refinery29, has been featured in articles including BuzzFeed, Cosmopolitan, The Daily Beast, E, Vanity Fair. Please welcome to the show, Sophie Ross. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. That was a very like official intro. I love it. You know, I try to like present my guests to like, you know, let's let's blow off what, what the resume states, you know, like let's let's give credit to where credit is due. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I must admit, so I started following, and before we jumped on to actually recording, I was telling you that I started following you like around the tank scandal when all that mm-hmm. went down. And ever since, I just, anytime there's some scandal with like this niche community, 
of people that we follow, like NYC influencers or like people like Tanks, like these kind of sub, it's like a subculture of celebrity that people more often care about more than they care about like Jennifer Aniston or Selena Gomez. Cause it almost mm-hmm. feels like with these influencers, you feel as if you're privy to their inside life because of the amount that they share. So when a scandal happens, such as like, we'll talk about the Ariel Charnas of it all. When something like that happens, you feel like even more indebted to find out what the hell is going on because mm-hmm. you feel like you have, you should have the information because she shares so much of her life already. Mm-hmm. So I want to dig in, Sophie, about just a bit about yourself before we dive into all the scandals. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, what do you do for work? Where do you live? What do you like to do for fun? Like, give me your elevator pitch. Like, who is Sophie Ross? Oh, an elevator pitch. Oh my God. That's a lot of pressure. No. Um, (laughs) My name is Sophie Ross. I live in New York City. I originally hail from Cincinnati. A lot of my content, you'll see, I talk about Cincinnati a lot. I'm very proud of my hometown. I love the Bengals, the football team. Um, I have a full-time job that is in the fashion industry. I work in marketing, copywriting, that kind of stuff. It's really not you know, the sexiest, most exciting job, but that's why I like to do more fun stuff on the side, including my podcast, my Substack, other people's podcasts. I freelance write. Um, so yeah, I basically am just like always doing something. And like you said, influencers are definitely this like niche. I've always been super into celebrity gossip and influencers are now, you know, our modern day celebrities, whether we like it or not. I actually have a, an influencer that I unironically love who uh, she's a fashion. Can you say who it is? Her name is, she annoys me sometimes, but her name is Emma Leager or Leger. Le, Le she's Canadian, but she was in New York this week. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, if I see Emma walking down the street, and I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, she's literally just a girl from Instagram. But it's like, again, these are our celebrities. And it makes sense that we get invested in their drama, just like we would get invested in, you know, the Kardashian drama, the latest, whatever it is. Don't worry, darling. Whatever the drama is that involves celebrities, like, it makes sense that people that are into celebrity gossip are also into influencer gossip. So, and that's always been me. I've always been into celebrity gossip. I grew up on Perez Hilton and reading the tabloids and stuff. So <laughs> me and me and Ryan Bailey, when we, he was on my podcast a couple months ago, I talked about like, the era of Perez Hilton. And obviously like the way that we consume entertainment and pop culture news is vastly different than what it was like in the early 2010s. Like I remember in college, I would sit at my desktop computer because like smartphones weren't yes. really a thing back then refresh press Holton and like yes. I would literally read from page one to like page nine up to like the last time that I entered the website like it was such a vastly different culture and now I think with all these like anytime a scandal happens I bet you that by the time like this episode will release on we're recording today on Friday December 9th by the time that episode releases on the 11th Ariel Tarnas like that might be well far gone and no one will care about it like we just consume content so mm-hmm. fast so quick it's at the at the like at our literal fingertips and I feel like if you're into something about like if you're into celebrity pop culture or if you did have an interest even when you were young it's like how could you not be infatuated or super interested in these influencers because again you just feel like you have a peek into their 
into their lives on a day-to-day basis. And I love that, like, you share this, uh-huh. like, kind of micro-influencer from Canada because, like, I definitely follow, like, certain people that a lot of people, like, wouldn't know. But it's, like, they do, but, like, if I saw them on the street, I would be freaking out, which leads me to wonder, living in New York City and there are being so many influencers mm-hmm. where you live, can you tell me about, like, one, how often do you come across influencers just, like, walking around the street or, like, getting coffee at the place that you get coffee at? Like, how often does that occur? Two, is there, like, a certain influencer that's based out of New York that you would, like, die to see? Ooh, I really don't see influencers just walking down the street that often, weirdly enough, because I know they're everywhere. I have seen Emrata. Emily Ratajkowski and her like crew I've seen them multiple times so I don't she doesn't count as like a New York City influencer but like she kind of does because I don't really know what else she does besides like post on Instagram okay I know she has a podcast and she wrote a book and she models her. and she acts I know me neither me neither and I used to Are I you- like really I was like about to give her a pass kind of like when her book came out because I never read it but a lot of people were like wow it really resonated with me and then I found out that yeah like shut up the entire book is basically I listened to the celebrity memoir book club episode that's the only way I consumed it yeah Yeah. that's the only way I consumed it and they like they were getting like really deep about it they're like wow she really like she really touched on this in such a deep man. And I'm like, shut up. All she does in that book is talk about the male gaze. And, and I know that she does make points about being sexualized and being harassed and all of these bad experiences. I don't want to, you know, take away from that. But I think that, you know, with her podcast now coming out, so much of her feminism is just about the male gaze and like hot lives matter when it's like, you know, you wouldn't trade places with an ugly woman who didn't get male attention. Like we know you wouldn't. Um, Also like, why are you not talking about how females, how women view your body and how that affects them? Because women's self-esteem is at an all time low because of social media and Instagram models. And you are contributing to that, but like you never touch on that. So like, I just think it's such surface level feminism and yeah. I am so glad you brought up, she she often discusses, and I think anyone who follows my Instagram, you know I cannot stand Emrata, and like, I've spoken about this on my stories before, but like, one of my best friends went to high school with her, and she's a fucking weirdo, like, she was just like, not nice, not friendly, she was just, she's from San Diego, like, so she's, she's like a local, you know, and first of all, she's kind of weird, but second of all, I'm so glad you brought up the thing about why are we not talking about the impact that you, the way that you've mm-hmm. sexualized your own body on Instagram and how it makes person like me feel about my own body? Like, let's right. talk about that. And Ron, I, I love, cause I never heard it brought up like that. And I think it's the way that she presents her body and her image is, I would say it's quite adjacent to the Kardashians and the Kardashians got all this heat, which I mm-hmm. you know definitely think is warranted about the way that they've modified their bodies without copying the plastic surgery and things like that. But I talk about Emrata, who I think maybe she is naturally skinny, but it's like your body, somewhere like someone like Alexis Ren is, it's thin to like the point of it almost looks anorexic, but we're not talking about like what that does to young women or to the women that women, are like, following you. Exactly. Don't pretend that you're speaking for women or standing up for women when you're ignoring, I think, probably the biggest crisis right now with social media is not oh my God, men don't think that we can be sexy and smart. It's like, that's not, that's not something we're worried about. 
what I'm worried about for women is the fact that social media and social media models and your ab crack, Emrata, your ab crack is really, really, really detrimental to the mental health of young women. Like even myself, not to age myself, but I'm 30. And like, I'm a 30 year old grown woman. And the fact that social media, I've always been like pretty confident. And like with social media, all of a sudden, like I realized, wow, my confidence has gone down so much. My satisfaction with my own life from seeing, you know, glamorous, everything glamorous and sexy and rich and all of those things on social media has affected me, a grown woman. Imagine being like a 15 year old girl growing up right now. But Emrata doesn't want to talk about that. She wants to show off her ab crack and appeal to the male gaze and complain about it. And yeah, I mean, I'm not really articulating her- this well, but like, you know what I mean? No, I, I, I completely am nodding as you're talking because I'm in full agreement with what you're saying and the expectation like post baby too um, is completely uh, conflated like what's realistic for a woman's body mm-hmm. to be able to bounce back. And I think that her I feel like she's kind of veering towards away from model and being this quote-unquote like smart hot girl and like I even saw a paparazzi post of her on Just Jared of her like holding a stack of books and I'm like what is this is so contrived to me and Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know like I, I I agree with everything that you're saying and I think it's a really good point I think what I want to ask you about from like an influencer perspective is like, and I, you were laughing when I talked about this ahead of recording, but it feels like because you are baked in some of these influencer scandals, which again is such a niche community of people that do follow it. Do people ever like approach you on the streets? Cause like if I saw you, right. And I, you know, before recording and I was just like, Oh, I know who that girl is. I would probably be like, Hey, you know, my name's Chrissy, big fan of your work. Like I've heard you on various podcasts. It almost feels like, you kind of become this like quote unquote influencer while at the same time you're like, no, I'm in complete disagreement with that. I have a full-time job. This is just uh-huh. literally like a hobby. It's just more of a passion project of mine. Like, does that ever happen when people come up to you? Literally never. It would probably make my day if someone was like, oh my God, hey, I follow you. That actually, it happened at a Bravo. I went to like a Bravo event last year, but that's like the Bravo community. Cause I'm also very involved in Bravo Twitter and that kind of stuff. And Ryan Bailey and I talk about Bravo a lot. So I had people recognize me at this Bravo party, but like that doesn't count. I would say like on the street, never. Again, I don't consider myself an influencer, but I did post a DM that I got the other day from someone that recognized my boyfriend at the grocery store. I saw that was dying. I thought that was like the funniest thing in the world because it's like, that's never happened to me where someone has been like, Hey, like I saw you earlier. Like I didn't want to bother you, but like, blah, blah, blah. I saw you. That's never happened to me. I guess I don't have like a recognizable face, but like my boyfriend does, I guess. So I thought that was like so fun. Um, but yeah, if anyone ever recognizes me, feel free to come up to me and like make me feel like a celebrity for a second. Um, because that's never happened to me before. (laughs) Uh, like no I'm telling you like I always joke on this podcast and like I'm half joking but also being half serious I'm like let's make me famous guys like let's let's bring up the Instagram account like if you see me come and say hi which and I was like joking because I'm going to LA today and I'm like you know I'm going to Delilah so I'm hoping I don't get passed you know now that I'm like over a thousand (laughs) followers or whatever (laughs) but no I like what you do 
what you do, Sophie, is a thankless fucking job because I think a lot of people take for granted. And like, I even see it in the podcasting space, right? Like, I'll have people, not to like shade them, but I'll have people in my DMs being like, oh, I can be a guest. I'm like, do you even understand what it takes to like podcast? And one, the amount of research that goes into it. Two, the amount of like mm-hmm. it takes to like get someone like scheduled on the books. Three, to be able to like carry the conversation and in interview. There's a lot of things that go into podcasting. And like, not only do you podcast, but you're also commentating on things that, kind of like a deep dive into these scandals that aren't necessarily the details aren't really posted about you really have to do the digging to find out all these details so I just thank you so much it's it, it truly is a thankless job of what you do and I always find that you're in the center of it whether or not you want to be and so I just <laughs> it's an honor to have you on this podcast truly wow thank you so much again it's like I really it's, it's something I do for fun. I'm interested in, again, it just comes from a place of me being obsessed with celebrity gossip. And also, yeah, I feel like Nick Vile, for instance, if someone is pissing me off or if someone has done something problematic, I will call them out. And it's not because I think of myself as like an arbiter of morality. It's just because I, I have no filter, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, again, I have always been like this and I'm glad there are so many people that are interested in my takes. It's really fun. I'm so glad you brought up the Nick Vile of it all because again, (laughs) my friend Emily who's staying with me, we were like FaceTiming the other night because she was like, what do I bring to LA? Like, what should I pack? And we were talking about, I was like, oh, I'm going to do an interview with Sophie. And she was, she and I were cracking up because she's like, do you, did you know, did you see that photo that Sophie posted that she took a, she was literally in tears. She's like, Sophie took a picture with Nick Vile, like in 2014. Yes. I literally, I literally, no, he was so (laughs) awkward, but this was also, it was 2015. So it was before he was like the bachelor lead. Um, so he, and I think it was before he had his like bachelor in paradise, like, um, re-edit, re-edit. Yeah. Where like people, people became fans of him again. I think he had just been the runner up twice at that point. So he was kind of like, you know, like you kind of pitied him at the time. Like he wasn't like the cocky, like piece of shit that we know today. Um, but he was like super socially awkward, like so socially awkward, was not super cocky, not super friendly. We like didn't even really have much of a conversation. I just took a picture with him because I like, you know, had watched him on the show. Um, but that came up in like my Instagram stories memories a couple weeks ago. It was like, how many years ago was it? 2015. It was like seven years ago today. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this. <laughs> That is okay. So now we have to talk about the Nick Vile thing. It's not even in my in my notes, but I actually do want to ask about this. So, can you walk us through like what exactly did you discover? Like that? Well, I guess what exactly did you call him out for? Maybe, and then what was his response? Because I know he directly called you out, didn't he? Like on a podcast? Did he? I don't think he directly. I I mean, if he did, that'd be hilarious, and I want someone to send that to me. Um, I don't think he's ever addressed me or like blocked me, but I hate him so much and I very proudly hate him. And um, I think that the main reason, there are like uh, several reasons. I remember there was a, a TikTok he posted that really pissed me off where he was like, ladies, just because you guys share a toothbrush doesn't mean he's your boyfriend. 
he was like, on this edition of he's not your boyfriend, like basically making women feel stupid because men are assholes instead of trying to say, hey, men who do this, men who take you on vacation, but refuse to be your boyfriend, um, they're assholes. And often they're, you know, gaslighting these girls and this behavior should not be acceptable. But instead you're making women feel like idiots because men suck. Um, it's just like misogynistic. It's patronizing. I think he's just like, uh, you know, major, major misogynist who has no authority to be a dating expert considering he is in a relationship with a woman 20 years younger than him. Yeah, I was going to say, how old is she, like 24? Not even. I think she's like 22. Um, I can't. Yeah, and he's like 42 or something. So she, yeah, dating someone 20 years younger than him and also has, it has been a four-time failure of the Bachelor franchise um why are we listening why are we looking to him for advice if you are like please just pack it up pack it up there's no hope if you're looking to nick vile for dating advice so i i think he was super salty because when chris harrison got fired from the show i think he thought he was going to be like the face of the bachelor i think he was so salty to production and like abc or whatever because he's like that should have been me and it's I think I remember you talking about this on Emily Rose's podcast, but it's like, that's such a good point. It's like, stop being a single woman in my, at 31. It's like, if a guy talks me on vacation, then yeah, I'm going to expect that he's going to make it official. Like, fuck off. Don't gaslight me into thinking that's unreasonable expectation. Right. The fact that he thinks that he had a chance at being the Bachelor host is so laughable. No one, everyone hates you, Nick. No one wants to watch you. You would be a horrible host. He can't even like, I know, I'm sorry. I know he has maybe some sort of speech impediment. Yes. So I'm not going to say anything about the speech impediment, but yeah. Oh my God, I'm fucking dying. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, but people don't talk about it enough. I think he definitely has a, he's a stammer. He's always like, he's always like, oh, someone said that, have you been watching The White Lotus? Uh, don't even get me fucking started on The White Lotus because I will go in, but yeah. Okay, I'm upset. Okay, yeah. Season two is like so incredible, but someone brought up a really good point and I haven't been able to unsee it. How Theo James, who's British in real life, does his American accent kind of like out of the corner of his mouth is like how Nick Vile kind of talks. Someone brought that up and I was like, wow. Where he like doesn't really move his mouth. When I when I thought found out Theo James was British, it like blew blew my mind because I I can never I feel like when Americans this is such a side tangent but when Americans try to cosplay British accents I feel like it sounds so contrived but then when it's the opposite mm-hmm. why does it feel so realistic or do you feel the same way? Yeah, because British I've I've thought about this a lot and it's because so many British people like all of these British actors end up going to like the London acting school there's just like so many like really 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 prestigious acting schools in England and Mm. a lot of them you know come from like the stage the London stage scene I mean I don't know that's just like my theory I don't know for sure what the statistics are but there are a lot of like just fancy British actors who are like very 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 well trained whereas I feel like a lot of American actors kind of like got a big break and aren't like as seriously trained as English actors are if that makes sense that makes sense I also think a lot of it is attributable 
and I also think it's like when I think about my like people say oh you have like a California accent which I heard on Emily Rose's podcast you definitely do have like a California like twang wait you think I do yeah and I'm from California like I've never lived anywhere else but California but you definitely have that like valley girl kind of like it's so weird because I've never lived there I'm from Ohio <laughs> I don't know I don't know where it came from you guys I don't know but people tell me that all the time no I could totally see it and I think it's like when people hear, like, when people from out of the country, like, they they consume our television, they consume our movies, they consume our music, they watch interviews with, like, American mm-hmm. celebrities. So it makes sense that, like, to them, they're like, well, you're, you guys have a very flat accent because we're just very used to hearing it. So I think mm-hmm. pro- perhaps it's probably attributable a lot to them just consuming our content and just getting yeah. used to the American flavor and therefore being able to cosplay the American accent far better than we would the other way around. That's a great point. Even when I've like been abroad and like met people abroad, I've had that conversation where I'm like, okay, it seems like the center of the universe is like the US when it comes to entertainment and like movies and musicians and all of that. Is it just because like, does every country feel that way? Like they're the center of the universe and they're all like, no, the US kind of is the center of the universe when it comes to entertainment. All of those movies that we watch that are, you know, just regular American movies that we grew up with, everyone around the world is watching them too. And so you're yeah, right, that would yeah. be a good way to, to learn how to get that California twang. Yeah, like, yeah, you definitely have it. And I think that's why, like, you know, James <laughs> is able to, like, yeah, just do an American accent. So He's so well. hot. Um, He's so hot in that show. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. So I was listening to Dumois. I mean, like, I, I actually quoted your Substack on my last week's episode because I did, like, a quick 10-minute segment on White Lotus Season 2 theories because I've been deep in the Reddit, thre- Reddit mm-hmm. threads, too. Anytime the episode airs, like, I'm, like, trolling for, like, hours just looking at what people mm-hmm. are having to say. So I did, like, some I think you brought up, like, the, the four, like, really big points that was a takeaway from, like, mm-hmm. second-to-last episode that aired. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, sorry, Dumois said that in her podcast, I guess there was a bunch of steamy hookups that were going on on the set yes, of Yes, I saw that. Yeah, so it's like Megan Fahey and Leo Daphne. Woodward. Yep, Daphne and Jack, Jack. is that his name? The nephew, yeah. yeah. Daphne and Jack were hooking up. And then Adam DeMarco, who plays, what's his name on the show? Albie. Albie and Portia, played yeah. by Hilary Richardson, were also hooking up. And I guess Dumois was saying that Theo James is like, she didn't explicitly say what the hell is going on with Theo James on the set of White Lotus, but it sounds like he was a little bit like side eye. He just doesn't seem, he kind of seems like a shady guy. Have you heard anything about him? No, but like, it's funny because his character on the show is so shady that like, that's so funny. I also heard that Albie and the actress that plays Lucia also for real hooked up. So like the characters that Albie like is pursuing in the show in real life, he hooked up with both of them allegedly. Oh, I love that. I could totally see Why was the set? It's so funny how the set was apparently so horny. I could see it because it's like, I mean, if you even think about just like where they're filming, I looked up like where it was. It's one of the four seasons. Like, it's funny because they filmed the four seasons, Maui, Uh season one. Then they did four Uh seasons in like San Domenico or whatever in Sicily. It's like, it's such a romantic spot. It's by the Mm -hmm. ocean. Like, how could you not have like this like, you know, jump each other bones type energy? You know what I mean? It has to be like the setting. Right. Imagine like getting paid just to go to Sicily and like hook up with your coworkers. <laughs> I honestly like I someone posted this this TikTok. I think it was 
maybe it was Mia or Lucia, like they posted a TikTok of like just behind the scenes of them filming and it just looks like a goddamn ball. Like they just look like they're having mm-hmm. so much fun. Like they're just enjoying each other's company. They're in Italy. Like I guess before we dive into the Ariel Tronis at all, who do you think dies in White Lotus? There's cause there's I'm seeing so many fan theories. It's like it's overwhelming and I don't know what to think. I honestly have no idea what to think. I can't say with any certainty. Um, but I would say if I had to guess, I think that Tanya will live. Honestly, I know that, you know, she is clearly being set up in some way, but I think that she is going to be like a recurring character, like just on the show in general. So I'm going to say Tanya lives. I'm going to say Portia lives actually, which I know is an unpopular opinion. I think that either Cam Cam, Ethan, I feel like something, we know that Daphne lives. I don't think Harper is going to die. I think that it's going to be someone from like the the foursome. And then also um, Bert, the grandpa, Albie's grandpa has been, he's had that thing on his head, which, you know, the concussion, he may have hit his head. That can take a few days. I think maybe he'll end up dying. Um, Yeah. They've been alluding to that a lot, like him and his head injuries. Yeah, it's like, why do they keep showing that? So, I don't know. What do you think? I I don't think it's Cameron, only because when Daphne found the body in the water, she didn't seem like she was that startled. Like, she didn't have a reaction to where she was, like, it was, like, her husband. People on Reddit right. were saying that it looked like a female, like, leg, which, yeah. I mean, who's to it say? It could have been anyone, yeah. It could, yeah, it could have been anyone. I, I guess, like, by the time this episode airs, we'll, we'll be eating our words because it will have aired at that point. But I'm, this is, I honestly think it's one of the best shows of the year, if not one of the best shows of, like, the past decade. Like, I will go so far as to say that. Oh, a thousand percent. I think it's, like, just perfect television. Like, I think it's so, it's- so good. I know, like, there are things about, I know that I feel like with season two, they're saying it might feel a little bit more contrived than season one because it has the whole, like, straight cowboy high-end gaze tanya setup but like i love it i'm very invested so you know contrive away mike white contrive away i'm all about it all right so let's dive deep into the ariel charnas of it all and <laughs> i think it's so what is what it's serendipitous of you to be on the show when all this is yes. coming out i saw that do du- dumont reposted your your instagram about the ralph's like coffee Thing, which is mm-hmm. so crazy you're even making it into Demois. um so I'm going to a lot of people on my Instagram were getting me being like can you just give me a high level like summarize who the hell she is and what the hell the controversy is so what I'm going to quickly just go over is from start to finish like who she is what her brand is about something there's a lot of stuff about her husband into like the business insider article that mm-hmm. got released yesterday on Thursday December 8th so starting from the top Ariel Charnas, she's an influencer. She restyled her lifestyle blog, Something Navy, into a clothing line in 2017. As of 2019, the company was valued at $45 billion. She's just a typical fashion girly. Like, I would say she's quite adjacent to, like, We Were What, but I think her brand is a little bit more, like, higher brow than We Were What. Mm-hmm. Turned entrepreneur. She has a lot of flagship stores around the country. I must say there is one near my house in Fashion Island in Newport, and I have purchased a few things from there. It's pretty cute, but people are now saying it's like kind of fast fashion adjacent, which I'm like, oh, damn. Um, she's married to a real estate guy. His name is Brandon Charnas, who is very much in this whole debacle um, as of late. 
They do make the occasional appearance on her Instagram alongside her three young children. Brandon has nothing to do with the business. He's the co-founder of Current Real Estate, which is said to be a, quote, social media-focused commercial real estate brokerage firm, whatever that means. Her controversy started in March 2020 when she found herself at the center of COVID controversy after testing positive for the virus amid a citywide COVID test shortage. So once she found out that she had COVID, she immediately had left the city. She relocated to her home in the Hamptons. People were giving her a lot of shit at the time because she was like one of the first influencers or first people really besides Vanessa Hudgens at the beginning of COVID where people were like, cancel her, cancel her because she was like, she had. Sorry to interrupt you. She was like, I just want to call out the fact that she literally had COVID. Like she was COVID positive and traveling from Manhattan to the Hamptons while COVID positive. So I know that we look back at some of the people we were maybe hard on for like traveling or whatever, or Kendall Jenner's birthday party or whatever. She right. literally was COVID positive and sharing that with her followers. And this was also March, 2020. So like, yeah, people were very pissed off. Yeah. She was literally like patient, patient zero. I, I think she got it like maybe the yeah. first or second week of March. Um, yeah. And people were also calling her out because they were like, you know, you're so privileged. Like, cause at that time, right. COVID tests were like in high demand and very low supply. So she was like one of the first people that was even able to get uh -huh. access to a COVID test because she had, I guess she had a friend who was a doctor who was able to obtain a test for her and provide a test for her, which is when she was able to find out she was in fact positive. But people were saying, well, well that's just privilege right there. The fact that you even have a friend who's a doctor, you know, like you're just, you're the uh, pinnacle of just like white privilege essentially. Right, um, exactly. Which I think is totally fair. Her current controversies that are circulating as of the past week. So I'm sure your DMs were just completely like insane. Blowing I want to ask more about blowing up. Because of mm -hmm. course people come to you when there's any influence or controversy. <laughs> so I think what has been brewing on Reddit, it's been, there's been like mumblings on Reddit for weeks. I maybe even mm -hmm. months. Do you know, Sophie, have there been, like how long have these allegations yeah. about Brandon Charnas been, been up? First of all, Brandon Charnas has always been known to be an asshole during the COVID scandal. He, people were DMing them that they were upset with, you know, Ariel and Brandon. He was like, you're a loser. You're irrelevant. Cornell was a safety school. And this happened to be a nurse who had Cornell in her bio. Yeah. I, that was in my Twitter thread when I wrote a whole Twitter thread about Ariel's COVID controversy in 2020. So Brandon has always been known to be kind of a douchebag for lack of a better word. Um, but wait, what was your question again? Sorry. No, um, I was just going to say like, what, I don't even remember what my question was. I think, <laughs> no, I think you're answering like, he, he's so completely bad, but yeah. So basically people are, there's claims. Oh no, my, oh, my, yeah. my yeah. original question was Reddit. How long have these like rumors about Brandon and Ariel have been circulating on the internet before it even became public knowledge over the past week? Do you know, were you so following this specific... story for the past couple months? These specific rumors, I think, started going around, like, early November on Reddit. So, like, they okay. weren't, of course, like, not substantiated. It's Reddit. So, um, but there were rumblings, and these rumblings included all the something Navy employees have left, which we know now is kind of true. No one really true. works there anymore, and that was in the Business Insider article um that paychecks were bouncing which again that was also yeah. in the business insider article um that 
this is the most serious, you know, accusation was that there was like embezzlement involved that Brandon was embezzling money from something Navy and four to $5 million. And again, it's like, and, and these rumors, so these rumors had kind of been like floating around, but they hadn't been like substantiated. People had noticed that something was kind of like different about Ariel's feed, her personality, just in general, she seemed very off, which whatever, like, it's just, you know, people had picked up on that Brandon turned his Instagram to private. So it just made people believe something was up even more. And then when Demois posted the other day, there's an article dropping about Brandon embezzling from something Navy, they're getting divorced. And obviously business insider is not going to be writing about a divorce or cheating allegations. They are writing about a business. So it didn't surprise me that it wasn't like, I feel like so many people are like, oh my God, this article was so disappointing. And I'm like, I thought it was very damning. Like, I know it's like, it's not like the explosive, juicy, like daily mail type article that everyone was expecting. It was a deep dive on the fact that, wow, Ariel is a horrible person. In my opinion, it makes her look really bad. It makes Matthew Scanlon, the CEO, look really bad because they are leaving vendors in a lurch. Um, There are vendors in India who weren't being paid upwards of $350,000, something like that, until Business Insider reached out to something Navy. And then they were like, oh, shit, let's pay the vendors, which, of course, is a red flag. All the while, Ariel is unboxing... Hermes, Chanel, the row every single day from her, you know, this past summer, I thought it was very interesting also that they included the fact that her Hamptons home was $150,000 a month this summer. A month. So the yeah, lifestyle. She doesn't own it. Yeah. Yeah. The lifestyle is just so absurdly lavish that there should be no excuse for vendors not getting paid. And I know that she is not running the company. It's Matthew Scanlon, the CEO, but she is still the face of it. And the article also focused on the fact that it seemed like she was kneecapping her own business by hardly ever wearing her brand, hardly ever promoting her own brand. Um, Really, really, really not wanting to do brand partnerships. The part that tickled me the most was that she like didn't want to do a Vivrell partnership and Vivrell is a bag rental, like a luxury bag rental um company it's like rent the runway but for like Bottega bags Chanel bags whatever like nice bags and she was like I don't want people to think I rent my handbags like it really it just like kind of showed who she really is like it was a really 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 bad look for her it's a bad look for the company they said the company is in dire financial straits um and REL definitely is responsible for some of that I would say the fact that she never wears her own brand when you are the one that is supposed to market and promote the brand. Um, yeah. So it's not great. A lot of employees, uh, models hadn't been paid. It wasn't just vendors. There was like a child model that modeled for the brand last spring that still hadn't been paid by the time this article was, was published. So yeah, it's like, that would piss me off if I was waiting for my money or if I was making pennies working for her while she was opening, you know, her extravagant um, $4,000 kite coat, you know, like on Instagram, I, I don't know. I feel like, I think it painted her in a very bad light. I know a lot of people said yeah. the article was disappointing. I disagree. I thought it was very damning. Yeah, and I, I think it's so interesting because what I was reading on Reddit after the Business Insider article came out yesterday 
was people were saying exactly what you were saying. Like, you know, this is why people on Reddit, like we, we blow it up only to be, only to find out that like these allegations about her personal life wouldn't be disclosed. Like they didn't end up being mm-hmm. disclosed on the article, but it's like, no, I think this actually is such a testament to how severe influencer culture has become. It's like, it's almost like this keeping up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. to your point. Like here's this woman who has seemingly a booming business, who seemingly does very well for herself. She has like this life of luxury, toting around mm-hmm. Chanel and Hermes, Birkin bags all about town, all while mm-hmm. not literally paying her employees. Not, I guess like the, the paychecks would sometimes be late. She's not paying vendors, things like that. And it's just, I'm so curious. I think this is just one of so many influencers that are toting around this lifestyle that is just not real. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I always talk about this on my Instagram of like, Shannon Ford, not to get like too much into her, but she has like a G-Wagon. She pays rent in two different cities. She has a, uh, an apartment, this like luxury apartment in New York City, also paying rent in this like huge Nashville home. She has a boat. She's taking like first class, like Dubai Arab Emirates flight to like South Africa. She has this like lifestyle. It's like, are you like, and it makes us people like lay people like us that are following them feel like shit about ourselves. It's like, well, why aren't mm-hmm. I taking first class to fucking Europe or to South Africa. Why can't I have rent in two different Mm -hmm. cities? Like it just sheds light to such a fake life, but it almost feels Mm -hmm. as if these influencers feel like they need to present this type of lifestyle because like that's what gains more followers. You want to be aspirational. It just feels like it's all, social media is fake, period. But I think social media with influencers is fake to like the nth degree. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes to show that, you know, someone who from the outside... First of all, I think that people have such a parasocial relationship with Arielle Tarnas in particular because she's been around so long. She was like one of the first OG OG. influencer bloggers. Yeah. Um, But she also is just like the quintessential like, oh my God, her life is perfect. She has all the money in the world. She has 5 billion Chanel bags. She has, you know, converted a whole room into a closet. Seemingly no budget no limits on what she spends on anything. Um, three gorgeous children, um, a douchey husband, but like, whatever. <laughs> Not but otherwise, so thin and people, yeah. Yeah. And she is, she is very thin and she's, that's been, you know, something that people have kind of criticized her for. And it's like, whether she's naturally thin or not, some people just are, I'm not going to like comment on that. But again, someone who looks like they have the perfect life and when you like peel back the layers I'm like I would not trade because she clearly you know it's very obvious that she is miserable and she is also just not a good person the way that she the only thing that matters to her is material goods it seems like and how people perceive her which is being very rich which is being someone who doesn't rent bags like god forbid someone thinks you rented a bag like god forbid so um right yeah it's like i it makes me look at my life and be be like actually i have it pretty good because i am not dealing with you know the the pressure or the vapidness of that existence and again, it's like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's something I would just like tell myself to feel better. But right now in this moment, after reading that business insider article, I'm like, no, I'm good with that. Not being my life. <laughs> agreed. Like, agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, 
vapidness is such a good way to describe influencers like Ariel Charnas and mm. Shannon Ford. It's like, it's just such a, it's like the immediacy of like what's important now versus like what has longevity? What, what do you have value to other than like a Birkin bag? It's so vapid mm. and it just feels icky. One thing I want to bring up outside of the business insider article, just like mumblings on Reddit, because I think we have to just like discuss it because people, mm-hmm. people essentially, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, when the business insider article came out, like Sophie said, it, most people, it wasn't, it wasn't as salacious as we had thought because there were so many other rumors circulating around her relationship with Brandon. So people were alleging on Reddit that Brandon Chetham cheats on her and not only does he cheat but he apparently cheats on her with potentially men I saw several names being like shot around on reddit including this guy named Preston Nicholas apparently Mm -hmm. like 18 weeks ago Preston Nicholas posted a photo on Instagram of him getting out of a helicopter and someone commented on this particular photo writing pulling up to the divorce like but who knows like that's such a like who knows what that comment actually means he didn't even write it and, but I will say Preston Nicholas's name has been thrown around a lot on the Reddit yeah. threads. Another man whose name has been thrown around in the mix is Stephanie Gottlieb's husband. Stephanie mm-hmm. Gottlieb is a small business owner slash jewelry, jewelry designer, which interestingly enough, I noticed like she's been like featured on like Summer House. I've been like watching Summer House from like the first season. And I noticed I was like, oh, this, this woman's like on this reality show I've been watching. And now her husband's allegedly like in the mix with Ariel Charnas's husband. There was even like mumblings on the internet that allegedly like she caught him having sex with like a man in their New York City mm-hmm. apartment, which apparently like someone talked about on some voice recording. I w- what is this voice recording? Can you like shed light to what this is? Because I kept seeing yeah. it, but I, I what is this about? Yeah, so there was a voice recording by someone who <laughs> I actually trust him in, implicitly, whoever he is. It was going around on Twitter and TikTok. There was a Twitter account that was kind of created just for this purpose of kind of trolling Ariel and Brandon and the story. Um, but the voice recording basically said that, you know, Brandon has been embezzling from something maybe to the tune of four to $5 million that Ariel also caught him in bed with a guy. And again, it's like, who knows who this person is if it's all bullshit, but this was going around before the business insider article dropped. So that's why, you know, people got very, um, really what's the word. It it was very salacious. And yeah, it said that Brandon was part of like an underground sex club and like, who knows, again, this is not something that would have been covered in business insider anyway. I will say that for a lot of people in the city, um, rumors about Brandon have followed him for a really, really, really long time. Just ask, I think any, anyone in the city, there are lots of rumors about Brandon. Again, that's not what's important because it's not illegal. What I'm concerned with is, you know, the illegal stuff and like, what is the shady business practices? And I think that the line is blurry. I know that it doesn't say the word like embezzlement in the article, But what I find interesting is that the line is definitely blurry because if you're not paying vendors or if you're short on cash as a business, if you are losing money through brick and mortar stores that literally don't sell anything on any given day, um, 
then like, why are you pouring money into a birthday party for Ariel over the summer at her $150,000 Hamptons house? Like that is a horrible look. And I think that that could maybe be construed as embezzlement. I can see where the rumors started. Again, the article doesn't use that word. I'm not a lawyer. I think also like an example that I talked about on my podcast that I just recorded about this with Lex Nico, Alexander Nikolai. Um, I talk about the fact that she did a something Navy did a collab with a jewelry brand um, a couple months ago. Ariel did like a whole photo shoot, styled the jewelry with like her, the row, Hermes, Chanel, whatever it was she was wearing. And in my mind, when I was like putting the pieces together yesterday, doing this recording, I was like, I wonder if she used the corporate card to buy those outfits saying that it was for the jewelry shoot and it was for the brand. She had to style the, right. So it's like, I think there are, there is kind of like a blurriness to it that I think could be construed as embezzlement to some people, especially if, if money is running low, why are we spending all of this money on, on Ariel or frivolous stuff or her personal expenses, which it sounds like may have been happening. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Those are just, I guess my, that's my ramble of the day. That's at, well, when you were talking at all I can think about too was like Erica Jane. It's like where there's smoke, there's fire, yeah. right? Like if your husband is allegedly like embezzling funds from either your business or, you know, a mm-hmm. law firm's business, how can you not, you know, side eye it when you're living such an extravagant lifestyle? Like, how can you not assume that something is uh, afoot? You know, and like Erica yeah. Jane was, she had like several PJs. She had this like thriving, like music career, would do these crazy music videos all at the expense of like Tom Girardi, but it's like, well, where is that money coming from? Similarly, from Brandon Charnas, it's like, to your point, there was all these things about her birthday party in the Hamptons. It was like this extravagant, crazy birthday. It's like, well, who's funding that? If employees are not getting paid, if the cash flow is not there, vendors aren't getting paid, then we have to assume that maybe you're putting this money towards, I mean, like it's a reasonable assumption, mm-hmm. I should say. I'm not assuming, but it's exactly. a reasonable assumption to think. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you're, and I, I mean, you're I think, an accountant, you're an accountant. So like you, like, how would you, you know, interpret this situation from your accountant lens? Yeah. I mean, I think it's certainly, it's suspect, right? It's like what Sutton Strass used to say in Real Hot Lives. It's for, the forensic accounting will tell all, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> if you Love look her. into like the receipts and the cash flow of the business, like everything, there's a debit and credit. There's like, everything has to have you know, it all balances out on the balance sheet, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if you were to look into the accounting, it would definitely be a bit suspect. And I'd be curious, like, if something maybe were to want to go public, they do have to get, typically a company would have to get audited mm-hmm. before they like are publicly traded company. It's like, I'd be curious to see what come what would come out of that audit. And what's interesting is like, when I was looking at what the CEO was saying, like what you were saying, Matthew Scanlon, he was categorically like denying these allegations saying Brandon Charnas does not have access to company mm-hmm. bank accounts. He's not an employee of the company. He has no access points. Uh, they were denied the rumors that the two were getting a divorce. There were also all these rumors like when Dumois was on the toast on when, on Wednesday of this week that people were saying, oh, he's getting arrested in Florida as we speak, which later, you yeah, know, Claudia oh my God. all those theories. Where, where do those theories come from? 
That was crazy because I literally heard that from separate, so many separate people. Like I can't even tell you how confident I was because so many separate people that do not know each other all were like, Brandon Turner just got arrested in Miami. I think what may have happened is maybe if anything at all, it could have just been a rumor that spiraled out of control that someone started for fun. And then other people felt really confident spreading it. Who knows? Maybe he was brought in for questioning, not arrested or charged. I have no idea, but like, that was so crazy because so many separate people, like all separate, they were like, I have my, my friend that works in law enforcement or my relative that works in law enforcement. Oh, my family friend that works in investing. Like it was all some sort of connection that people were like, I know for a fact. And I was like, Oh, and even Demois said it on that podcast. She was like, I have a rock solid source. And I was like, that's kind of how I felt, but I wasn't going to like go out and say it obviously. Um, okay, this is this leads so me to my next question. It's like when things like this, like so when this thing happened this week, like one, how many DM, like like logistically, like how many DMs do you get in your inbox a day, and like how do you filter them? Because sometimes like, even like I have like a, f- a small fraction of the following you have, but it gets overwhelming when I get DMs, and I oh want to feel like, like people. I'm acknowledging people, but it's so like yeah, how many DMs do you get, and like how do you know which ones to respond to? Do you leave people on red? Like just walk me through what your Instagram looks like. Oh my God. Don't even get me started on DMS. Cause this is like my biggest insecurity is that I am really, really, really bad at DMS. Like I just get extremely overwhelmed. Like I have probably, I'm not probably, I definitely have hundreds of unread DMS right now. Um, yeah. and even people I know in real life are like, Oh my God, you never answer my DMS. And I'm like, I get freaking overwhelmed. Like I get so overwhelmed by it. And I, I know that it's like, oh my God, there are people with 20,000 times my following that respond to DMs. I think it's the fact that I just personally get really overwhelmed. I have ADHD, not to blame it on being neurodivergent, but like I actually get super overwhelmed by like that kind of stuff. And I hate that about me. I do not want to be that person that like ignores DMs. I try to answer as many as I can, but it's like, again, full-time job, only so many hours in the day. It's very overwhelming. And it's like such an insecurity of mine that actually was like, one of my new year's resolutions last year or for 2022 was to get better at answering DMS. And like, again, that needs to be another new year's resolution. Um, I never want to ignore people. I always want to like acknowledge people, but like you only have so much bandwidth, whether it's like time of the day or like emotional bandwidth. (laughs) I feel like you could even turn that new year's resolution around for 2023 and be like I'm okay with not responding to all the dms because it's like taking care of yourself and your like mental state and making sure that like you're doing things that are like pleasant for you is arguably more important than like getting back to the every person but I again like like coming from me too it's such a like contradiction because I'm so the same way but it's just like I can't even imagine when things like this happen like how overwhelming it gets for you and I think from like just a tea perspective I want to know like like you're saying so many people reach out to you like oh you know I have information from this my uncle's a woman's law enforcement or like you know someone I know works with Brandon Charnas and his real estate company like what are some of the craziest like things you've heard in your DMs about this particular scandal? If you can disclose or like something that you feel comfortable sharing, like you're like, Oh wow, this is tea. Oh, Oh, something that I found interesting before the article dropped and it ended up being confirmed by the article was that someone who has worked at, so basically something Navy is owned by 
Nadam into yeah, Mark Rowan's are, company. Yeah. So it's basically <clears throat> like a, a family of brands. Someone that has worked there that I actually know personally. Um, so it's not just some rando making stuff up. I know it's a trustworthy person. They said that people at something Navy were never allowed to tell Ariel like sales numbers or talk to her about numbers or sales because it would hurt her feelings. And then that was confirmed by the article that they shield the fact they were shielding the fact that the company was failing from Ariel and Brandon. And then if any of them asked, if Ariel and Brandon asked, it would be like, Oh my God, everything's amazing. Everyone loves it. Sales are great. And it's like, you are a grown woman supposedly, you know, running or somewhat running a business. Like, do you want to be shielded or do you want to know what's going on? Like, I, I don't understand that part, but again, that was confirmed by the article, but that I have wow. that information. And I thought that was so interesting. It um, makes sense. It's like you're treating her with ki- with kid gloves. Yeah, exactly. That's you know? exactly what it is. And they basically the business insider um reporters, it was like multiple reporters working on this, had reached out to every single person that works at any of those brands or had worked at any of those brands, former employees, current employees. So I knew there were going to be like a ton of actual employees that were interviewed for the piece. And it obviously doesn't say their name. It just says former employee or current employee. Right. But it's clear, I think, from who Arielle has unfollowed on Instagram, who the employees were. And it was like, she was super, super, super tight with um, all of her employees for a few years. Um, like posting them, they all gained a ton of followers because she was posting them all the time. And then they all left at once. And she has since unfollowed the majority of them because they probably, um, you know, contributed to the story. Yeah. Yeah. I was also reading like on Reddit that the, that she would work only between the hours of like 10 to two, like she wouldn't put in any actual like effort mm-hmm. into growing the business and it's so shocking because like being the face the founder of the company you would want to know I mean any good any person with enough business acumen would know that it's like very important to know the numbers that's honestly like shocking to me that she wanted Mm -hmm. to be kept like ignorant while at the same time again hawking this unrealistic completely aspirational lifestyle it's have you heard is she like on the toes Claudia was saying like that she's like a really nice person have you heard whether or not she's like a nice person or not I've actually I mean I will say that I have always been someone that's been very hard on her with like the COVID scandal and this I obviously am a big critic I started out as being a fan of hers because I thought that she was very likable I think even before this and through after the COVID scandal I, I was like you know what she is likable she's seems like a great mom But from everyone that has either known her personally or met her or grew up with her or went to camp with her, doesn't sound like the nicest person. There were people that, multiple people that apparently went to camp with her. And she has talked a lot about getting bullied for being too skinny when allegedly the truth is that she was bullying other people for being too overweight. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it depends on who you ask. I'm sure other people have had great experiences with her and think she's super nice, 
Um, that's just what I've heard. I haven't heard too many great things, but again, it's like, who knows? I don't know her personally. She could be a sweet angel in real life. I mean, I doubt it, but like, she could be, we don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I love all this. Yeah. I feel like it, again, you're like the wealth of information that's just like, again, it's so crazy that we scheduled you when this all happened. Mm-hmm. Cause I just feel like it was been so much timing. noise. It really was. And I want to dive into our last topic about motherfucking tinks. And yes. I set up taught that you were the reason why, at least I remember I actually shared your tweets. This was like when I first started my account. I remember like finding out all these problematic t- tweets that tinks had written in mm-hmm. 2020 and screenshotting them and being like tagging you in my post and being like, Sophie Ross did like God's work and found these tweets like so problematic. And uh-huh. my, qu- my question to you is like, what I think I think actually it's really it's really important to call out that Tinks's rise to fame is not coincidental. It's not organic. I think that she, due to her wealth and privilege, she's been able to create a great management and PR team around her to hawk her in any article and in any like anything that she can get her hands on. Like her uh-huh. being able to be on the Drew Barrymore show, her being able to be like on Forbes 30 under 30, The Cut, New York Times. It's not a coincidence. It's not like these articles were just picked up by random editors like at mm-hmm. these publications it's really that her team is hawking and pushing her down their throat such that they're kind of enabled to write articles about her so I think it's like really important that if you see Tinks's rise to fame and be like damn how did she do it like how is she able to come up so quickly it's because she has the money to do so which is mm-hmm. you know it's fine like no knock on her I she's talked about the fact that you know she didn't have school debt she was able to jump to her career rather quickly mm-hmm. she comes from a family that's like quite affluent you know she has this kind of unique story where she grew up in London she now lives in like the states like but I think it's just like really I want to be conscious of how we talk about her because it's I think it's people can get down on themselves having been creators mm-hmm. for years and years and years and haven't even seen a fraction of the following that Tinks has experienced mm-hmm. but it is because she has an A-class PR management team so I think mm-hmm. my question to you Sophie is like what were your, when Tink started originally coming up on the scene and like her skyrocketing in fame, like what were your initial thoughts on her? Did you find her to be likable? Like, cause I know for me, I like really liked her when like she started doing the crazy TikToks and like the rich mom stuff. But what were your thoughts? I literally had no opinion of her. Like I just, I didn't understand why so many people were obsessed with her because like you, I knew a lot of people in real life that were like, oh my God, Tinks, like, she's so great. And like, she had all these fans all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I was like, who the hell is this person? Like, I'm not a huge TikTok girly. I'm trying to be, but it's like, I feel like I'm always a little behind on like the TikTok trends or TikTok stars. So I really had no opinion of her. I don't, I never really understood like what the, I guess like the rich mom starter pack stuff was cute and funny. And she seemed very honest and relatable and, you know, the big sister advice. And I get that it wasn't like appealing to me personally. So I had never like, unlike Ariel, like I can say for sure that at one point I was a fan of Ariel. Like I had never been a fan of Tinks. I didn't really understand her rise to fame. And I also, like you said, she does come from a very affluent background. So I think that whole, like her pretending to be normal and like in interviews, yeah. she'll say that she was unemployed before she blew up. She was unemployed living with her parents. But it's like a $7 million Tribeca penthouse. Literally. So she's never been like a normal person. And so, yeah, of course, you know, she has the best PR team. She has the best management that can get her all of these um, magazine spreads or gigs or whatever mm-hmm. it is. 
Um, so yeah. And like with the tweets, I would say that they were really just like going around the internet. I didn't find them myself because I, again, it's like, I didn't really care about her that much. They were just going around, yeah. like they were going around Reddit. They were just like on the internet. And I was like, wait, these are like really bad. I know that, you know, the ones from 2014 or whatever that were like fat shamey, fat fine. Yeah. What I found most interesting was that in early 2020, before she became TikTok famous, she was very yeah. much a Trump supporter. She was calling it the China virus. She was mm -hmm. very, you know, clearly was leaning right politically. And then now after becoming TikTok famous, she was suddenly very progressive. And so of course it's like, it's not adding up. Like you need to answer to this. And then when she addressed the tweets, she didn't really answer to that at all. Um, at all. She, just, I, she addressed I, the Kim Kardashian a bit all. Yeah, she, she addressed the fat shamey tweet. She's like, I've grown. And it's like, that's not, I, that's not what's most concerning at all. But I do think that her, she hasn't really fully recovered since this happened. Like in my opinion, like I feel like she, she isn't really like as everywhere as she was before this. Yeah. And Kate Kennedy um, from the Be There and Five podcast did a deep dive on her. And it's interesting because Kate Kennedy actually went through her entire Twitter to see what she was liking around that time. And it's like actually very conflicting information. Like she would like Trump adjacent tweets while at the same time also supporting like Bernie. And then she would like, like a tweet from Trump and then say like, then she would donate to like, I think she might've donated to some Democrat, uh, to, to like a Democratic party. So it's just, it was very conflicting conflicting mm -hmm. information and I I think it's also interesting like when she talks about like the rich mom starter pack right it's like so many of us lay people again it goes back to the aspirational element of it all so many of us lay people can't even understand like the, what you're talking about because like I didn't grow up like that so I can't relate to when you're talking about like a rich mom in Aspen like these mm -hmm. like quirks and these like places that you're referring to it's like Same. only a person that comes from wealth and privilege would be able to understand what you're alluding to like yeah I can understand the San Francisco elements because I lived there for a period of time but when you're talking about like a rich mom and like Tribeca I don't have any understanding of what you're what it is you're talking about but I think it's likely that the reason she was able to skyrocket the same as one because of her like a class PR management team mm -hmm. but also because she presents this lifestyle that is only attainable by people that come from her privilege Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I just think that I think it's really interesting that like it's people see her as this big sister, this relatable queen, when in fact it's like, what about her is relatable? Exactly. And I think that yeah, that's mm -hmm. kind of been a crack in her facade too, is the fact that people are like, she's actually not relatable at all. Like, stop pretending to be relatable. But yeah, it's like I've never even been to Aspen. I will always beat the generational wealth accusations. The fact that I've never, I've never been to Aspen. The idea of owning a $7 million like penthouse in Tribeca or growing up, going to a prestigious private school in London or going to an Ivy League, like, again, that's all yeah. very like, that is like the upper echelon of wealth in this country and can't relate. I'm from Ohio, guys. Remember, I'm just a humble Midwestern girl. <laughs> so yeah, so it's never I'm like it's never appealed or related to me. Like I've just, I've never been into her content, but I can understand why people, you know, were. Yep. Yeah, yep. And I think like people on, again, I get all my tea on Reddit, but there was like a tink snark page. And I, I agree. Like mm -hmm. people put stats and they're saying 
her TikTok was like really increasing, increasing like 10x mm. or I don't even know these actual figures, but like during the pandemic and now since that scandal, it just seems as if her following has pl- plateaued and her mm-hmm. content has kind of just been recycled. And she kind of, I know she'll like post things that I remember her posting like two years ago. And I feel like she's mm-hmm. just trying to recycle things and hoping that like praying to God, we don't remember that she posted the mm-hmm. same exact TikTok like two years ago. I just, I see her getting, stale. what do you see like maybe from your lens? Do you see her gaining more because I feel like with her relationship too like she's trying like she's starting to unveil like who her boyfriend is now and it's like not really a secret he's like a pretty like well-known photographer in New York City surrounded around the likes of like Emrata and Kendall Jenner Mm -hmm. and Bella Bella Hadid like do you see her gaining more relevance as time goes on or do you think this is kind of it for Tinks and why? I mean if I had to guess I would say that she has peaked already And I think maybe I'm just biased because I never found, again, it's like, I keep saying this, I never found her content very interesting. Um, So I'm like, what do you have to offer? I don't think her podcast is very good. I don't think that she's super charming or personable. And obviously with the problematic stuff that I think really tarnished a lot of people's opinions of her. I don't, I don't see it for her. I don't see her becoming any more relevant than she was at her peak, which is probably like end of 2021. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Beginning of 2022. I, whatever you want to say her peak was, um, I think that she's hit it in my opinion, but that's like just my opinion. Like, I know that there are people that still love her content that still seek her out that still like listen to her podcast or whatever it is. It's just not me. I don't see her like appealing to the wider population, especially with that. I feel like just people will associate the the tweets with her for a while, probably. And like, how do you Agreed. become famous and not and not nuke your Twitter? I'll never understand that. That happened with speaking of Celebrity Memoir Book Club. That happened with Claire Parker from Celebrity Memoir Book Club, like just yep. a couple weeks ago. So it's like, I know. Is, that, is that not the first thing you do? when you like are gaining a following and you see people get milkshake ducked or whatever it's called, like where, where someone becomes kind of get, gains a following and then someone digs up an old problematic tweet or whatever it is, like nuke your Twitter when you become famous. No, yeah, with agreed, Claire Parker, like that, she had multiple N-word tweets. She apologized. She had a very, um, I think it was probably sincere apology that she did a, a recording of because she's a podcast. I heard that. I thought I found it to be sincere. Yeah. But yeah, again, it's like, how do you let that happen? <sighs> Nuke your Twitter. Yeah. I, 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 and it's, I completely agree. And even like with my Twitter, I'm like, God even knows what the hell I used to write in 2011 when I was in college, like being disgusting and ratchet. And it's, I agree. It's like, you got to do your sanity and like really delete everything my question another question I have for you is like with tinks were you because I felt like even though you were not the one who I didn't realize you you weren't even the one that found the tweet that for some reason I thought you were the one that actually discovered them like but I felt like you were like almost a spokesperson at least like that was my perception when I first saw this go down like were you reached out to by like news outlets like did your like did you hear any like kind of similar to the question about Ariel like what did people tell you like scathing things about tinks that like people may not know that are like available to the general public I'm trying to remember because this was like several months ago so my memory is like a little blurry about 
what exactly went down. I just remember so many people were like, oh my God, no, I love her. Like so many people were like, oh my God, say it ain't so. I love Tinks. And I was like, why? I remember just being really confused that she had so many fans because again, like I keep saying this, her content never appealed to me. So I just like didn't understand why so many people were like obsessed with her. So that's mostly what it was, was people being, I'm, I'm trying to think if I got any tea. I don't remember anything like specifically from people that know her personally or knew her or whatever it is. But I just remember so many DMs from people being like, oh my God, no, I love her. And even like today, people will be like, oh my God, like my friend was like Tinks's biggest fan. And they were so sad when you like wrote about her in your Substack and published the tweets and blah, blah, blah. So I think that was what I took away from it the most. I was like, she did, I guess, a great job of building a following, a very loyal following at the time. She, agreed. And for, you know, speaking of your Substack, you guys have to subscribe to it. Like, it's like my favorite thing that drops in my inbox on a weekly basis. Like when the White Lotus fan series, when you like cover that, I was like, fuck yeah, let's get, let's go. Like I could Aww, literally do an entire episode with you on, on the White Lotus. And I'm so excited for like, because by the, the time at the end of this recording, yeah, the finale is the Sunday. I'm like, I couldn't be more jazzed about oh a God. season finale than this one. Um, before I let you go, Sophie, is there anything you want to plug? Like you have a lot going on. I want you to plug everything and anything. Oh my God. Um, I guess what I usually plug on my own podcast. Well, yeah. So there's my podcast. So true with Sophie Ross and it's pop culture podcast, lots of opinions, hot takes. I have different guests on all the time. Um, I'm also on Ryan Bailey's so bad. It's good podcast every other Love Monday. Him. I also have my Substack, Like you said, it's sophieross.substack.com. I have free stories. And then I also have paid content where I go a little deeper I think that's where I was mostly speculating about Ariel Charnas the past few months was for my paid subscribers um and what else yeah follow me on Instagram Soph underscore Ross follow me on Twitter Soph Ross four S's at the end and yeah I think that's it <laughs> I'll put all that in the show notes I want to thank you so much for your time I'm so glad that we were able to do this and it's truly an honor to have you on the pod um and just like again this is such a niche set of gossip that I know so many of my followers will understand and like again I think people arguably would care more about this and like if I were to sell tea about like an A-list celebrity so I want to thank you so much for coming on (laughs) and we'll have to do it again maybe like a White Lotus part two yes I would love to this was so much fun thank you so much for having me of course all right bye guys bye